0: hi everyone it's charlie webster here thanks for joining us for my sporting mind where i talk to sports stars about everything to do with mindset and mental health we're proudly supported by sportinglife.com expert insight passionate opinion and in-depth analysis for the sports you love all for free which is nice today on the podcast i'm delighted to welcome the bath and england rugby star anthony watson (laughs) lovely round of applause thank you how have you been
1: yeah, all good. No, no problems. We're lucky that we're able to play and train and stuff like usual. So you know, not too much is, is different for us. Obviously, not having fans and stuff is a bit strange still. But apart from that, you know, we've been cracking on pretty much as, as normal. So it's not been too different.
0: How do you how have you approached this year? Because I think there's been a some people who've been like 2021, do do and then some people are just still doing you know, look, it's a day at a time, especially given that you've got the Six Nations and then potentially the Lions series in July, obviously COVID permitting.
1: Yeah. I think to be fair, you can't really, especially like you said, with with how things are now in terms of, you know, games getting cancelled, left, right and centre, you're not knowing whether tournaments are going ahead, don't know whether like the Lions series are going ahead. It highlights even more how you have to just take it each game as it comes and each day as it comes really, because, you know, you might be preparing for a game on Saturday and then you find out on Tuesday that you've tested positive or some of your teammates have, and then you, the game can't go ahead. Um, mm. So like there's so many variables and so many changing factors right now that it's very difficult to prepare too far in advance or get caught up thinking too far ahead because there's so much that can change so quickly. So I guess it's kind of highlighted to me a little bit of something that I'd, I'd already tried pretty heavily to focus on and just taking things chunk by chunk as opposed to, looking massively far ahead and then getting consumed by worrying about something that you can't really control yet. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm, um, yeah.
1: That's what I, yeah. It's just, it's just kind of highlighted and made more sense of, of something that I'd kind of focused on a little bit more previously.
0: Does that come from the fact that you've had injuries in the past? Yeah,
1: a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, Where you've had to basically take that time out almost a bit like now.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, my Achilles injury was probably like one of the biggest turning factors in terms of my mindset and stuff. Uh, And, you know, on the subject, we're talking about taking things piece by piece. Um, With an Achilles injury, you can't do anything before you can do a certain thing. You've got to jump through hoops, basically, to get to where you want to get to. And, you know, previously with injuries in the past that I just sacked that off, I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Like, um, for example, uh, when I hurt my foot when I was just out of school, you know, you've got this kind of false sense of security that you're like I'm Superman type thing you know I'll, they say I'll be out for six months I'll be back playing in four so you know I was just the first three months I couldn't do anything and then after that I just rushed through all the rehab like ridiculously so to the point that I was back training and running and stuff with a limp which is ridiculous but you know I've said I was fine I wanted to play you know it kind of highlighted to me looking back now the fact that I was looking so far ahead just rushing to get back as my first year of professional rugby rushing to get back and be playing with the lads and training with the lads that I didn't take care of what was in front of me that could have helped me better towards the end of that rehab so with the Achilles especially the fact that it went twice it meant I had to be very focused on making sure that everything was right in the short term before I could worry about the long term and get back to playing you know that goal was always there obviously but you know, without the stuff, the little pieces day in, day out, you can't mm. get to where you want to get to. So, yeah, that was a big turning factor for me in terms of that stuff. But, you know, the Achilles injury probably affected my my whole outset to to rugby and life in general, to be fair. It was just like a bit of a, a wake-up call.
0: Do you think, I mean, by the way, I was smiling a little bit when you said about the your foot injury, because I'm very much that type of personality. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's almost hard to... Balance the expectation that your mind puts on your body to what your body's able to do. Do you find that?
1: Yeah. And I think getting that connection is is a is a massive thing, like, you know, not getting too upbeat or downbeat, sorry, on yourself if you can't handle something one day. So for example, if you haven't recovered properly, and using the Achilles example again, if my calf hadn't recovered properly the day after, not getting too downbeat on myself, you know, just needing an extra day. That's it. Like it's not the end of the world. But sometimes your mind can race and you're like, oh, well, if I can't train tomorrow, then you know it pushes everything back. And then I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be back one week later than I was. And it's just, it's not, it's not that deep. It's not that important. Mm-hmm. What's important is making sure your injury and what you're focusing on is right before you move on to anything else. Whereas like you said, I was very much like, oh no, 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 no. And it would be a whirlwind of like, you know, knock on effects, which you shouldn't really be too worried about.
0: Do you think uh, in a weird way, it's made you a better rugby player with the fact that you've gone through, I mean, the Achilles injury has been well reported. It was in 2018, you ruptured your Achilles and then you tore it again um, after coming back and then you were out for what, around 12 months? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, it's hard, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it's hard to go, oh yeah, that was for the good and it made me a better blah, blah, blah. But do you think there's things you can learn from it you know, you're talking about how you've, much your mindset's changed since then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the worst, best experience of my life. Like, <laughs> to be out for 13 months was was terrible. But the amount of learning and, and stuff that I picked up on in in, the, in those 13 months, I kind of wouldn't change for the world in the same way, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's, I think anyone else who's been on a journey similar will understand what I mean by that. And it's like, for me anyway, it was it was just a perspective change in terms of First of all, I realised how much I depended on rugby for like my happiness, and how much I actually really loved the game, and loved being able to go and, and train with my teammates, and commit to a or help contribute to a, a common goal type thing that you know we we're all pushing to try and win the Premiership, and then guys would go away with England, and obviously you know those guys are all winning and stuff. You want to be a part of that, um, so you know from that perspective, in terms of how much the game meant to me, that was one of the first things. The second thing was. Just in terms of, you know, nothing coming easy in terms of taking things day by day, but also within those days, you've got to wake up and be very focused on what you're trying to achieve that day and and just fully commit to it. You know, there are some dark days, but I found anyway, when you can commit and do what you're meant to do on those dark days, everything else becomes so much easier. So that consistency was massive. And the last thing was just around remembering or finding out in those periods where it was tough who was still around and who was still checking up on you and who was still in your corner. You kind of find out who your mates are really when you're out of the limelight or out of out of playing for 13 months, because some boys don't want anything to do with you. Some yeah. boys forget about you completely. And then there are other guys who are checking up on you weekly, asking if you need anything, needing any help. So it kind of highlights who your real friends are or it did anyway for me.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people could relate, can relate to that. You know, you said about those dark days, what would go through your mind and what, You know, I know you said about your friends and family that were around you that helped you. What in your own head, what was the kind of conversation that helped you go, yeah, this is a dark day, but I need to do XXX to get where I want to be. Yeah, uh,
1: it it was actually a conversation with my old man. Like I remember basically I had a like a tough day of rehab where I thought I was progressing really well, but then the way in which I was actually achieving what I was achieving was incorrect, if that makes sense. So that kind of set me back and I was like, Oh my God, like I can't actually do what I thought I'd been doing for this long. So I'm, I'm back basically another six weeks. And I just remember like it was on a, one of those Smith machines and I was just sat there and I was like, I just got to go home now. Cause like, I can't sit here. Like I'm my mind's racing. I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm not going to be able to play rugby again. What happens if I can't play rugby again? What am I going to do? Um, this, that, and the other. Then I got in my car and I drove home and I actually had to pull over. Um, and just like kind of compose myself a little bit um and anyway I, after that I just called my old man I was like to hey, mate I don't know if I can do this much longer like my my head's going like yeah. I'm not progressing how I thought I would this is the second time my Achilles is ruptured again what happens if it goes again he was like mate do you want to play rugby again I was like obviously mm-hmm. like what kind of stupid question <laughs> then you know you've got to commit to it and just keep going and I was like Phew. I mean like I was distraught at the time. And he put it so black and white for me. It was like, Jesus, yeah, like not a slap in the face, but it was like, you know, when you splash yourself in the face of water and you just reset it. It was like that, I was just reset and I was ready to go again, Um, which is so weird from such a basic comment. But I think just the fact who it came from, it being my old man and and him being straight talking and stuff. And that kind of is what meant more than the message itself, I guess. So yeah, that was that was the the conversation that really put me back on, on the right path. And you know, I don't want to say like I was I wasn't depressed at all or anything like that. that I had probably three or four dark days in the 13 month period where I had Achilles rupture, another Achilles rupture, and I tore my quad. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I think three days out of what would that be like 380 odd is pretty yeah. good going. <laughs> um so. but it
0: kind of almost made you question just for that second, question like, oh my god, whether I Am I going to be able to be or do what I want to do?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was the conversation that really just kind of brought it all back to reality and made me get back to what I was doing and, and trying to be consistent again.
0: You said that it made you realise how much you love rugby. Do you think it's also taught you that there's, is it made you think, oh, I need other things as well? Because <laughs> I can't pin everything on rugby or is it made you it more focused on rugby? Does that make uh, sense?
1: Yeah. 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 No, I think definitely. it's,
0: The reason why I ask you is because I've had so many different conversations with sports people who've all said, you know, that sometimes it's almost meant too much that when there's a bad time, like an injury or say a result hasn't gone their way, that they then find it difficult to cope because everything hangs on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can understand that. Um, I don't know. I, I did do some stuff whilst I was Injured that helped in terms of like I did a degree and stuff. Um,
0: <laughs> I did a degree and stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I started it. I just okay, short what day. degree did you do? <laughs> um, I did a degree in leadership and management at Northumberland. Oh, nice. <laughs> but... <laughs> so
0: you made the most of your time then. <laughs> no, I'll,
1: I'll be understand. honest, actually. I started, a, someone told me to start a master's first. So I started a master's first and it was terrible. Like, I hadn't <laughs> done had any education for since school. So what's that like? Must have been seven, seven odd years. Yeah. And I tried to go straight into a master's and I was sat there and I was, and then I realized that there was like exams and all this stuff. I was like, Oh my, there's no way. I was like writing pages and pages of notes. And I was like, there's no chance I can do this. Let me go one stage back. So I did an undergraduate first. Um, yeah,
0: that, that's but, kind of the normal way around. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, should, probably should have listened to some advice that I was given, but yeah, no, that's, that definitely helped to be fair, but I don't know. I don't know I feel like the results thing I can probably explain a little bit better but just in terms of yeah it can it can become very if you care too much it can be become very easy to become bogged down in a bad result or bad performance or something but for me anyway the last year those kind of experiences have helped me loads in terms of trying to make them into something positive so you know if you play really badly trying to take out of the game what was positive in terms of like now I've got an opportunity and I've been exposed in an area where I know I need to get better and now I can show people how much I care by them seeing how hard I'm going to work at being better in that area do you see what I'm saying so I think yeah you can definitely get too bogged down in caring too much but I also think that it's it's very important for me personally anyway to to care as much as I do about my sport because at least when I'm done with rugby I, I can I can be happy knowing that I gave absolutely everything to it.
0: I think it takes so much strength as well and you were saying you'd have been exposed in an area where it's almost like you're a sponge and you're going to learn from that to make yourself better whereas some people almost can't deal with what's a positive criticism Do you think?
1: Yeah yeah it's you see it across the board really in rugby there's all kinds of varying personalities and there's no right or wrong way to be fair everyone's got their own way of dealing with stuff like that but I just, that's how I respond to it. And and it's helped me a lot in terms of feeling terrible for Saturday and Sunday after the game. But then when Monday comes around or Tuesday comes around, at least I'm committed then to making sure that I don't feel like I did on Saturday, Sunday again. Yeah. Um, So my whole focus will be for the next week is to keep that in the back of my mind. I don't want to feel like that again. So I'm going to make sure that everything I do Monday to Friday is to stop me feeling like that again. And that helps me. It might not help other people because, you know, on the flip side, I completely understand that it might, you know, get people bogged down and worry and stuff. But it's something that's definitely helped me.
0: I read something that you said. You said, I love people doubting me. Um, Why? (laughs) And (laughs) that it helps spur you on. And and again, Um, I think that's something I can relate to.
1: Yeah. I've been that way since I was pretty young. Whenever my dad or my brother said I couldn't do something, it was like, lovely uh, now i'm going to
0: have to try let it. me show you yeah
1: <laughs> uh, i'm going to do everything within my power to prove you wrong so i don't know that's always kind of you know been there for me in terms of trying to prove people wrong um i can't really explain any that to be <laughs> honest <with> you.
0: <laughs> do you have do you have like full kind of um confidence in in yourself in your own ability
1: uh no not all the time no there's definitely times where you know you have to take a backstep and yeah i think everyone goes through a bit of self doubt you know mm. it would be inhumane i think to not have that um yeah I agree you know, it's just controlling that and and i worked with a sports psychologist called don mcpherson who helped me so much like in the early days of my career the self doubt would be awful like i was so nervous before games i didn't want to play and you know he helped me so much in terms of putting a lot of reliance on my training week and that giving me the confidence to go into the weekend also realizing that, you know, this is what I love doing. So why was I going to let this, this voice in the back of my head, which is just like, which he puts it as, you know, like the monkey type thing. um, How are you going to let that affect your performance and affect your feelings as much as you are to the point where you're not enjoying the thing that you love the most. Hmm. So having him um, and working with him changed that whole feeling I had towards games and feeling nervous or all that self-doubt that you talk about but it's you know it still comes back here and there and you still get it of course um but it's just about managing that and controlling it as best as you can and realizing what it is and what what it's there for and what it's doing to kind of protect you if that makes sense
0: yeah it does completely i think that's it's normal that it's there sometimes and i think it's such a good way of putting it where it comes in sometimes to try and protect you from getting hurt right but actually yeah. at the same time it can limit your potential.
1: Yeah. 100%. Um,
0: I was reading about Don McPherson, right? Mind coach. And you were yeah. talking about the monkey. Can you talk us through a bit about that concept?
1: Yeah, it was similar to what I was saying um, in terms of, you know, that voice in the back of your head. So I know some people put it as, you know, like the devil and the angel type thing, but that's very different. The chimp is kind of just like, or the monkey is kind of like your subconscious mind is there to kind of protect you. Like we were saying just there. So, you know, like, let's just use the example of, Um, a goal kicker in rugby so they're going to line up a kick and then they're thinking oh what if I what if I miss this kick what's going to happen and then you go like I said into that that spiral of thinking of all these consequences and that's kind of the monkey working to kind of protect you or think of the consequences of something negative going wrong um, or something negative happening so how he worked with me best was just about managing that as much as possible so sometimes Whenever I got them early on in my career, this was three, four years ago, used to he used to call them goofy thoughts, which kind of just was like, all oh, right, it's just a, it's just there. Do you know what I mean? Just acknowledge it's there and that's it, put it away after that. And for me that helped loads, just like, I acknowledge it, but you know, it's not gonna happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that kind of gave me a lot of confidence and also made me trust that that, that kind of monkey, as he put it, was there just to protect you and it wasn't really a reflection of you as a person. Yeah. um and know real thoughts so you know that kind of was the basis of it
0: yeah because i think as humans we're programmed to think negative what if what if what if all the time or whatever and, and kind of almost like add that doubt into ourselves but i think it's a really nice way to put it in terms of like protection so do you get nervous anymore for games i remember speaking to courtney laws actually in our first season and he said no he doesn't get nerves anymore is it is it natural to you or do you think nerves is good when you've um, got
1: um I get them here and there. Sometimes I'll get them, sometimes I won't. And, and the big thing for me now is, is when I do get them acknowledging they're there and when I don't get them acknowledging they're not there. Do you know what I mean? And just yeah. accepting whatever it is 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 what it is and just moving on to it and then just focusing on what I need to do to get ready and what I need to do to be confident going into the game. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier, just trusting that my week's preparation has given me everything I need to do to go into this game confident and not worrying too much about nerves because, you know, undoubtedly you've played some great games with nerves and you played some great games without nerves. So what difference does it make? Um, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the amount of games you've played across, you know, from being a kid all the way through, there's so many varying emotions that you would have had going into games. You'd have had some good games and some bad games with either of those emotions or any of those emotions. So to say that nerves before a game is is going to affect my performance or having no nerves is going to affect my performance is, it doesn't really correlate for me anymore um, just because there's been so many varied experiences with with both
0: sporting life prides itself on being ahead of the rest with unrivaled analysis opinion debate and statistics for the sports you love follow for the best previews stats and live horse racing and football score services visit sportinglife.com or download the free app for apple and android devices How much does the mind come into play in rugby? Because we see the tough, resilient physicality side, but not always the mental side.
1: I think it's huge. I think it's probably the most underappreciated asset for any sportsman across the board. Um, not just how they respond to setbacks or stuff like that, but also how they prepare for games. And that's another area that I focused heavily on with Don was, you know, he makes these MP3s for some of his athletes, there's kind of like a guided meditation thing that we do before games that allows us to feel a lot more confident and relaxed prior to a game. And yeah, that, that's, that's a massive thing for me. Um, it's helped loads. But in terms of you know the resilience and stuff like that, I think it obviously plays a massive part. There's no two ways about it. But for me, that the area that is most underappreciated is, is using mental skills to, to assist performance, but also preparation for performance.
0: Yeah. Is that something you learned from the World Cup in 2019 as well? Is it something you applied to that? Because that's such a big stage for you to be on and the limelight. It was. Yeah. Just
1: what do you mean? <laughs> I remember
0: watching it and everybody was talking about it.
1: <laughs> what do you mean the nerves and stuff like that? Is that what you mean? So? Yeah.
0: Just in how you applied your mind to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole week of the World Cup, I was, my mindset was very focused on, you know, this is what I prepared my whole life for. So, there's no way that I was going to go into that game feeling that I was underprepared, I was undercooked, or thinking, what if this, what if that? I was very focused on getting my preparation right Monday to Friday, going to the game, having prepared well and trusting that you've prepared well, not just this week, actually, but for your whole life, really. Um, mm-hmm. And just go out there and enjoy it. Like, this is what you've wanted to do since you were a kid, and now you've got the opportunity. So, you've just got to go out there and, and, and throw your best foot forward at it um, or put your best foot forward. So, that's what i tried to do unfortunately you know the way the game was it was a terrible experience <laughs> but um <laughs> but you know again um you've got to learn from it and what i learned from that was that finals are a completely different game to semi-finals and you know you can you can never leave anything out there in a final um i think i've been to i've been to like four or five finals uh, and i hadn't won any so it kind of again highlighted to me the importance of of winning and that's why I've been very focused on trying to win something with Bath this year and last year and falling short. But you know, it's my commitment to trying to do that has remained the same.
0: How did you pick yourself up after after Japan? Because I remember speaking to George Ford and Ben Young's probably about two or three months after, and obviously it came up in topic of conversation because it had to, <laughs> which I felt really bad about actually. And they said that they did find they found it hard going back to Club Rugby after such a high and then such a low
1: yeah I think to be fair I think after the World Cup I came back in first game back for Bath I got injured <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I was out for three weeks um, or four weeks
0: did that uh, make it worse because you had to mull over what happened
1: no I was pretty I don't think I'll ever get over the final because it was such a, an unbelievable opportunity for us that we failed to do um, or failed to achieve you know our our goal that we set out to do was, was failed so you know, for me, it's not something that I'll ever get over, but I've said I'll use it as much as I can as, as an advantage and try and get the understandings from that experience as much as I can. So like I said, in terms of finals rugby, in terms of making the most of all those opportunities you get, the importance of winning at that type of stuff has, has all stemmed from that final or been enhanced from that final. So it's definitely helped me as much as, again, it was similar to the Achilles. It was the best, worst experience <laughs>
0: I think that's what I'm going to take from this, from chatting to you. <laughs> I, I, but I think so many people can relate to those things, you know, no matter whether you're a professional sports person or not. There's so many times in everybody's life, I think, where you're like, that was horrific, but it changed me or I learned from it. And then you can see, hopefully, where it moved you in life. Do, do you look, um, it's a while away, but do you look ahead to the the next World Cup 2023? Is it something that's in your mind or the back of your mind?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's at the back of my mind, you know, whenever you, you end up talking about a World Cup, you know, you think about hopefully or potentially getting another opportunity to, you know, win it. So it's definitely there. I wouldn't say it's something that you th- I think about regularly, but, you know, I would love to have another crack at, at winning a World Cup with England because like I said, after falling at the final hurdle, it, it hurts. Um, so I would love to be able to do one better, but it's a long way away and if you don't focus on playing well for bath every week and, and trying to win something with bath then you're not going to get the other few bits that you want and then you've got to play well you've got to pick for england you've got to play well for england you've got to play consistently well for england you know you've got to do that for a, what another three years so you know those are the you've got to take it little by little otherwise it gets like we've said the whole conversation it, you can turn it into a whirlwind and then you're lost again
0: yeah it's a bit like what you're saying with your injuries you know, whatever your goal is, you've got to break that down and whatever that goal is, break that one down. So it's yeah. a bit by bit. Who do you say is being like your mo- the most inspiration on you or somebody that's guided you in terms of your career?
1: Um, Don McPherson is definitely one, obviously, because yeah. of, of, you know, how much he changed my outlook and mindset in, in relation to rugby. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with some coaches for like a quite a lengthy period. Um, so... A guy at the club at Bath at the moment called Neil Hatley was my coach when I was first in the Academy at London Irish. So I was 14. And I've worked with him pretty much every year, give or take one or two up till now. So he's definitely been someone that's that's always been in my corner and always willing to help me. Um George's dad actually was another massive one. Mike Ford was was massive for me when I first joined Bath, helped me so much in terms of he gave me so much confidence to play every time. He, and this is when I was struggling with nerves. Every time I was playing, he used to come up to me and say, I'd pay £20 to come watch you play today. <laughs> and every time I just burst out laughing. And, you know, just that little bit of laughter just breaks. It breaks down a little bit of that nervous energy you've got. So he helped me a lot. But He's I'd say that, you know, so the young. most... I was
0: going to say you were so young when you, you started.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, 19, I was, at, I was at Bath. And like I said, my nerves were through the roof. So having both... Neil Hatley and Mike Ford there, um, helping me was huge. But the most inspirational and like the most, the person I rely on the most um, is probably my old man. Just, he's probably inspired me the most to this day. And he's who I aspire to be most Me, I aspire to be most like. So, you know, I'd probably say
0: him. It sounds like you've got an amazing relationship. What, what did he say anything to you after the World Cup final? <laughs> nah, not that <laughs> so one. <you> say <laughs> message or a phone saying, look, Look, son. <laughs> if you want to play rugby, get on with it. <laughs> Crack on! You've
1: got to get back on the horse. Um, nah, he didn't, to be fair. I think he was—he was just as gutted as um, as everyone else was. I don't think that there was anything he could have said in that moment in time really that would have changed much. But it's just—it's it, more seeing how he goes about it, how he works and how he does things and how he is with people really that um, makes me want to emulate him more than anything else. So I guess that's why he's my biggest inspiration.
0: Now, how much of an influence has Eddie, Eddie Jones had on you?
1: Yeah, he's been massive as well. He's give, he gives me a lot of a lot of confidence to play as well. Um, he always says to me to go out there just and enjoy myself and do what I do. And that helps massively, um, you know, in terms of international rugby, there's so many nuances to it. When it's broken down as simply as he can do it for you, it, it makes all the difference. And like I said, he's, he gives me that confidence. So that helps.
0: I was going to ask you as well, what role do you play in the changing room?
1: Um, I try and just be myself. Um, And to be honest with you, a lot of the time now, it's it's being very happy and and jokey and laughy. Eddie, going back to him, he always makes a joke at me before a game. I don't know what he says sometimes. (laughs) He (laughs) says some random stuff. It makes me laugh and we always end up having, you know, a bit of a chuckle before the game.
0: Like what? Can you remember anything? Not like the, I'll oh, pay to watch you play. No, it wasn't like <laughs> no that. Was um, like...
1: <laughs> he's got some mad nicknames for me. Um, and so sometimes he'll just walk past me and shout these nicknames at me um, and they make me laugh. So for example, he used to call me Maserati. Um, <laughs> and then there would be one day where, you know, my GPS or something's bad and he'd call me a Daihatsu or a Daewoo or something or a really like kind of more budget car. Um, so he kind of just mixes that up. He's just, sometimes he's called me a tractor um he's just funny Maserati
0: to a tractor. <laughs> sorry from a Maserati yeah. to a tractor.
1: <laughs> in the space of days or sometimes hours um yeah. but he's just hilarious like he cracks me up and like I said that helps me before kickoff um but I'm always listening to my music as well it's like up until literally before the captain gets everyone together for the last you know like 20 seconds, my headphones are on. Um, recently, without the fans and stuff, I've been warming up with my headphones on mm-hmm. just because, you know, there's there's very little going on out there in terms of noise and stuff. So just get, listening to my music helps me kind of just focusing on, on what I'm trying to do. Um, it helps me kind of, I guess, get in the zone a little bit, you know, just get absorbed by the music. And next thing you know, it's, everything's just flowing nicely. So that's why I do it.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it's so important to have a laugh, like you were saying with Eddie before, because I think it just must calm everything down, but also music's so powerful. Um, So finally, before I let you go, what piece of advice, I know we've talked a lot about breaking things into small pieces and about the kind of voice, the, the monkey that we sometimes have. What's your piece of advice at the moment for listeners on anything you like really, in terms of helping people get through maybe?
1: I don't know, it's hard for me to break something down away from sport because i would have said you know just have having complete faith in your preparation but you can't really you know that's very rugby specific isn't it
0: uh, i think that applies to anybody i mean like that applies to my job like you know making sure i'm prepared for for everything and then it, i think it means that you then trust you trust in your training right in your preparation and i think it can apply to so many different things yeah that, that's what i would say that just,
1: alongside you know just making sure that you continue to enjoy it and love the thing that you're doing if you can um, or try and find a way to because you know everything else comes so much easier once you can do that so I would say those two if if those work
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'll take them I'll take them off thanks (laughs) so preparation have faith in it and make sure you enjoy what you do I think two really important things thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you really
1: enjoyed and
0: we really appreciate your time don't forget there are loads of other episodes to listen to like Anthony's England teammate Courtney Laws who we mentioned and footballers such as Adam Lallana check them out and subscribe to the podcast and give us a like hopefully if you like us and remember to visit sportinglife.com head of the rest when it comes to unbiased opinion and sports analysis and please remember, if you are really struggling, you can reach out to charities such as Mind and the Samaritans. The Samaritans are on 16-123, and you can also email them as well confidentially. And also Sport in Mind. People do understand and do want to help. Or you can text SHOUT to 85258. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll speak again soon.